Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Ho, ho, hello, Pats Nation and the Foxborough faithful. Welcome back to the latest and always greatest edition of Six Rings and Football Things brought to you by your friends at WEEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. You got the usual knuckleheads, Fitzy and Jumbo Hart with you today. And we are especially excited to be joined by a living NFL film and breakdown legend. You know him at Baldy NFL, NFL Network, Fox Sports, Compass Media. Where can't you find him these days? And of course, he is an Odyssey NFL insider, the one and the only Brian Baldinger joins Six Rings and Football Things today. How are you, Baldy? Hey, I'm good. I hope I can live up to that introduction right there. You know, <laughs> that's pretty strong stuff, but no, it's good to be with you guys. Baldy, it's a special time of the year. I've always wanted to ask you, because you have a great head of hair. Would you be called would you be comfortable going by Baldy if you were indeed bald, based on the uh, nickname everybody uses? Oh, yeah. For you? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's nobody in my family's bald. You know, nice. um, but um, on, on any side of my family is. <laughs> but if I was, like, I would probably really kind of sell the name. Nice. I mean, the only person Logo. that calls me Brian anyways is my mom. And um, that's just because she just can't get into the habit of giving me that nickname. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like it's kind of a prerequisite these days. Like, you need good lettuce to be a good draft guy. I would put you against Kuiper any day for the best <laughs> lettuce in the draft game. I have a great deal of respect for Mel. I mean, I'm not oh. this podcast about Mel, but... I've been following you, like, you know, back in the day, like just for reference, like I graduated yeah. high school in 82. The only guy talking about the draft in 1982 was Mel. Yeah. You know, like he was the only voice. No, it was, not, it was nothing. No radio, TV, nothing. It was Mel. So like I've, I've let Mel know that over the years, man. I, like I hear Mel's voice this time of the year. I'm like, okay, it's draft season. Exactly. It's like a, it's like a holiday tradition. No, he's an OG. He's really a standard bearer and much respect to the ones who have made this time of year, which just years ago, Brian used to be fun for all of us, you know, serious football guys in the hardos and is now honestly uh, a massive tradition. It's such a spectacle that it, the NFL draft outrates most television shows that aren't actual NFL broadcast. General reminder to everyone, Baldy and his in the huddle co-host Jason Lock and Four will be hosting the Odyssey NFL Draft Show on Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. 
Jumbo Hart and I will make a point of jumping on with Baldy and Lock and Four after the Patriots make their pick. It's going to be heard throughout the entire first round. It'll be streaming live on the Odyssey app and Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Leading up to the draft, make sure you check out Baldy's prospect breakdowns by listening to the In the Huddle podcast wherever awesome football podcasts are found. All right. Now that we got all the business out of the way, Baldy, let's get right down to it. All right. Um, First things first. So some people will probably say that the Patriots addressed, you know, they're in a very interesting position. Andy and I, we like to call it uh, an intriguing, if not sometimes tricky position right now. They're not what they used to be, but they can't just live off reputation alone. There's talent, but they got a lot of work to do. Some will say that they address their biggest offseason need by bringing in Bill O'Brien, someone who can competently actually call an offense and not reverse engineer it like Matt Patricia did last year. So before we get to any of the talent, the stacked positions, where things are lacking and who may overdraft, what would you say is the greatest position of need right now on the Patriots one week out from the draft? I just feel like they need the best playmaker they can find on any side of the ball. They just need a guy that wears a target every Sunday. And look, Ramondre is a good player. Like, but they... They need like a star power type player where they're just they're just an elite, elite player every time they step on the field. Like what Micah Parsons was at Dallas picking. I don't know. They picked Micah number 12, whatever it was like. They need that type of player somewhere on the field on this team. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. We talk a lot about they're, they're not bereft of talent. They have a lot of good players on the team, pretty good complementary depth. But you look around the league and so many of these teams in these games, they field elite playmakers that change games. And we lived it. You know, like we lived the Gronk, Julian Edelman, Tom Brady. Like they always had Stephon Gilmore, and now they don't. So I want to start with a local guy who mm -hmm. I think a lot of people um, are overlooking. To, I don't know. It's actually weird. He Maybe he's overrated. Maybe he's underrated. But – I'm going to be honest with you. Our station's about, I don't know, five miles from where Boston College plays their football games. And I'm not sure anybody knew that there was a star football player making plays for BC, in part because of they weren't that good, the quarterback, the line, whatever. Can Zay Flowers be a star playmaker in the NFL? I think so, if he's used right. Like, if you said, okay, Zay Flowers is going to be our Wes Welker, our Julian Edelman, you know, and, and, and Brady's our quarterback. Like, not that you know, Mac can't, you know, utilize, but you know, this has been a franchise that literally went Wes, Edelman, Amendola, like that was an elite position for the Patriots for the better part of, you know, two decades. And so to me, that's what Zay Flowers is. Like he's an elite, he's smaller, you know, and that's kind of like the theme of the receiver draft. They're, they're smaller, look like slot type guys. But Zay is, is right there with his ability just to his stop and start quickness, uh, what he could do after the catch. Like Zay Flowers has that if you use them the right way. Like we've seen Tavon Austin and we've seen different guys that could run and that just never used the right way. I think if, if Zay was in an offense where he was used the proper way, then I think he could be an elite prospect. We've heard some comps. Uh, Andy and I have discussed them a million times, and I think both of us would love to see him drafted because people at our radio station, uh, BC coach Jeff Halfley has joined us a couple times and told us this kid's this kid has Sunday talent written all over him. And, and, and don't let 
what's happened at BC fool you. He's a star in the making. I think a lot of people's radar went up the other day when Patrick Mahomes requested that (laughs) Zay flowers actually pay a visit to Kansas city. Like what a nightmare that would be if the Patriots who, as you said earlier and couldn't agree with you more are desperate for a playmaker, desperate for a guy who's going to sell jerseys, desperate for a guy, as you called him with a target on him. If they were to pass him up and he goes to Kansas city, who's already (laughs) unstoppable and then he turns into part Waddle, part Antonio Brown, 1,200 yards, 83 catches, and nine touchdowns. I mean, that would that would just be a nightmare for a team bereft of playmaking well, this after, talent. This is after a franchise that drafted Sky Moore, who's kind of that position, mm-hmm. and they picked up Cardarius Tony, who's kind of that position, and they let Juju go to New England and uh, play that position. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I mean, who can argue with Patrick Mahomes? Like, first of all, like, I would listen to Patrick Mahomes when it comes to drive. A lot of guys I wouldn't listen, but I know a lot of players follow this stuff just the way we all do. And they're all, like, studying these guys. And for Mahomes to just say that, he's not saying that to say that. He's saying it because he says, that guy with Travis Kelsey, what we have, Katie bar the door. We're going back to the Super Bowl. That, I mean, that's how he's so as we get into uh, individual players and and your idea that they need a playmaker, I think one of the things we need to get your opinion on is how many blue chippers there are. And, you know, a lot of times they, you know, we hear Jim Nagy, for example, oh, and, you know, teams don't have first round grades on this guy or that guy. And sometimes we hear, oh, there's only 15 guys with true first round grades. And, oh, the Patriots are right in that. How how many truly blue chip prospects do you think there are in this draft? I'd say there's. Like most drafts, there's there's not 31. Right. I would say that it's there's somewhere between 20 and 25 blue chippers. I think you could say, okay, there's some a couple quarterbacks, there's some offensive tackles, there's a couple interior offensive linemen, there's a couple defensive linemen, and there's some elite corners. Like I wouldn't, and then the receivers, you know, whether you want to put Zay number one or Addison number one or you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, however you want to do it, and then there's a couple tight ends. Like, I feel like there's about 20 to 25 players that are true number one draft picks. And that's why I feel like some teams, maybe Cincinnati, you know, maybe Buffalo, they might be trying to trade out of the first round just to get more picks and to get more into the sweet spot of this draft, which to me looks like the end of the first round in the first half of the second round. Okay, so you see a lot of depth uh, in this particular draft. What would you say, because... We've been toggling back and forth um, as to what the Patriots day one and day two combined pecking order should be. Should it be tackle corner receiver? Should it be, you know, and maybe they could grab a a Darnell Wright, then an Emmanuel Forbes, and maybe finish that off with a Tank Dell from uh, Mississippi State, which would be kind of a fun combo. Or, you know, um, is there such tight end depth that the Patriots could pass up on grabbing one in round one and two and maybe grab somebody in round three that would address another need because... They only have Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki signed through 2023. Well, you mentioned Darnell Wright. Like, to me, he's the best offensive lineman in this draft. That's just me. You know, I like a guy that started 42 games. I like a guy that shut out Will Anderson, Trayvon Walker. I like his size, the way he runs. Like, he just looks like I don't know how many different right tackles Patriots have played over the last three or four years. But there's a bunch, and they signed Riley Reef. Okay. I mean, you know, Darnell looks like you could plug that guy in. And, you know, he's not going to pull a calf muscle on the first day, you know, first game. 
miss a season. Like he, he's, he's, you're going to plug that guy and play him at right tackle. You're going to be a better offense. Like that's how I feel about Darnell anywhere he goes. And I don't think 14 is too high. Like, I just think that guy is what a prospect should be on the offensive line. Um, you know, look, Gronk was second round pick. I don't see any Gronks in this draft. Like, I don't know what happened at Arizona, you know, when he came out and why he was, but you know, you, like, I, I feel like some of these tight ends that everybody's talking about might end up in the second round, you know, like Michael Mayer might end up in the second round. You know, it's hard. It's hard to really judge that, but I, the, the Patriots need a tight end. I mean, Mike Kosicki is, he's a talented kid. Like, you know, you want to go, you know, do an off the season Olympics. Like he's going to win your vertical jump. You know, he's going to do a lot of things, you know, um, with his talent, but you know, where was he in Miami? in any regime, in the red zone, third downs, like wh where was he? Like you, you can't find him a lot of times. So, and forget about putting him at the end of the line to block. He's not going to do that. So like, I feel like he's got a role and maybe it will be accented in this offense with Billy O'Brien, but I couldn't find him in Miami. I kept waiting for him to explode, you know, with Mike McDaniel, like Kittle did, but I, I never saw it. So, you know, and Henry is a good player. Uh, two years ago, he had a great season. You know, last year, you're not so great. So, like, I still feel like he could be a true why, but this would be a good draft to go get a tight end. So you just alluded to it a little bit with Michael Mayer, because I feel like when this process started, he was right around the Patriots pick. People were saying this guy could be the 14th, 15th pick in the draft. Now maybe some some differing opinions. Are there a couple either guys in mock drafts you see or just narratives about this draft class that are out there that you just – shake your head and say, I don't see that things you want to push back against a little bit. Well, I look, I mean, when people say somebody's a generational player, I mean, it's just a phrase and it gets used around here, but you know, I mean, look, I, everybody seems to love B. John Robinson. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not comparing him to Ramadre. Ramadre averaged over five yards of carry and he led the team in receptions. Like he's what you can get. What was he a fourth round pick yep. third round, fourth round pick. Not yep. a lot of trade off the tire, Oklahoma, but he's, He's a good player. So I go, okay, Bijan, the two best teams he played against last year was Alabama and TCU. And, you know, he gained, you know, he gained 86 yards in those two games on 33 carries. Like he did, I just saw one carry after another, didn't gain a yard. But I keep saying he's a generational player. Like maybe he is. Maybe I don't, maybe I'm looking at it wrong. But even if he is, like, do you really want to factor in the injury component to that position? And just like, it's a crapshoot. Saquon was that guy and everybody loves Saquon, but you know, for two years he was on the shelf. So it's, it's just a tough position to say generational player. You got to get it. Like you give me Trent Williams, the fourth pick in the draft. That's a generational player. And he's proven that Lane Johnson was a generational player. Third pick in the draft generational, no doubt, but the lineman, they have a shelf life that's a lot longer, you know. So I, when you ask me that question, that's the, the immediately what goes to my mind is B. John Robinson. And I go, is he? Is he really that? Because I just saw Maurice Jones-Drew yesterday say he'd take Jameer Gibbs over. And maybe that's the right pick. I don't know. But that's wow. kind of like the running back situation. You know, he's a faster guy. Like he just explodes in a one-cut offense. Um, you know, he's a different type of back than B. John. But that's a guy that, you know, played a position at a high level for a long time. And that's what, that's what, you know, uh, that's what Maurice just said. 
So for somebody like myself who made his way from the football fan world into the football broadcast world, I learn a lot following the Baldies breakdowns in season about the games and then in the off season, looking at the prospects and who you think is going to have the Sunday talent, who's going to make it and who's going to fake it. And I also love if you follow them at Baldy NFL, you've got these nice little handy dandy Baldies top NFL draft top five blanks by each position. So we know where you stand on each position. I saw you had Darnell Wright, who's my favorite for the Patriots to pick. I feel like if you get a mauler of a tackle who gives you 10, 12 years, oh, but if we could only find a Trent Williams for the Patriots, you never lose with trench warfare like that. And I see you've got the receivers all lined up as well. Um, and you got uh, Jones, Skaronsky, Paris Johnson. Um, I, I really hope the Patriots go tackle first as well because it's just sort of a, a, a best available position in need for them. Um, some, though, still the quarterback thing continues to swirl around New England. And today we find out that Will Levis is on a top 30 visit to the Patriots as well, which comes as a bit of a surprise. So let's just get your I'd like to get your feelings on these quarterbacks in this draft as well as um, do you think the Patriots can really win with Mac Jones and the talent surrounding him? I don't think you can win like you're used to winning. Now, that would be, you know, making comparisons to, you know, Tom Terrific. That's not fair. That's but I don't feel like fair. <laughs> they can compete right now with Josh Allen. I don't feel like if Aaron Rodgers goes to New York and he plays two years that you're going to be able to compete with New York. And so that's just me. Now, maybe if you give him Zay Flowers and or you give him a right tackle and you give him Billy O'Brien in his ear and you just get, you know, somebody that knows how to do this, you know, uh, as a profession, uh, you, maybe we'll see a real bounce back from what we saw a year ago where it wasn't very good. And it was just, do we really need another 12 or 14 play drive to score a touchdown? Like enough of these things. Like it's just hard to make a, a living that way unless you're Tom Brady. So I feel like you wouldn't be wrong talking to Will Levis. Um, mm -hmm. He's got a bigger arm. Uh, I don't know that you'd be a better player. Uh, it's, they're hard to find. They're hard to find guys that are in your division right now. And look, I'm not leaving two out, um, but there is an injury concern there and a long-term health concern with Tua. But he did finish the season as the number one rated quarterback in this whole league. So, you know, I mean, and you got a coordinator that loves him. So, and a head coach that loves him. So I'd say like, New England might think about upgrading the position simply because you got to win in your division if you're going to advance anywhere into the playoffs. Obviously, offense dominates. Quarterbacks are the, the showstoppers, and I feel like the draft has become that. It's about quarterbacks, about receivers, and then it's about the tackles. They're not sexy, but everybody wants to protect their quarterback. And then you look at the other side of the board, and it's like Will Anderson is one of the you know, more decorated, productive defensive players that's entered a draft in a while. Do you, where do you think he stacks? Is he the top defensive player? Cause I know other people say, you know, Christian Gonzalez or the kid out of Texas tech, the other pass rusher. How do you see some of those top, maybe top 10 defensive players standing out? Well, you know, think about Will Anderson, you, you have to, this guy stepped on the campus at Tuscaloosa and started day one and was a dominant player, SEC freshman of the year. Like and, and you and he started 41 straight games. Like you know exactly where Will A is every play. Number 31. It like he never comes off the field. So like you're durable and you're and you have production 
and you've been coached by Nick Saban, I, I just I don't know how you can go wrong. Like honestly, like people can start to downgrade him. Well, he he's not the prototypical. Like I don't know. Like you look at a guy like Matt Judon and how good he's been for you uh, in New England. He's been an elite player. Like I think Will Anderson is every bit the prospect that Matt Judon has been over the last few years for you and that last year in Baltimore. Like like this is Will Anderson to me. Like. You know, Adrian Peterson stepped on the field at Oklahoma and dominated college football. Like, there's only a couple guys that at age 18 can dominate their conferences in college football. Cam did it, you know, at Auburn. Like, there's just a few guys that do it. And to me, Will Anderson is that guy. Now, you could look at Tyree Wilson, you know, and go, okay, Texas Tech. Um, you could see the measurables. They're elite. You know, just the length and the size and, 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 and the effort. plays. He plays really hard. Um, you know, why didn't he get 20 sacks, you know, in, I don't know, like Will Anderson had 17 and a half sacks two years ago. Why didn't he put up those kind of numbers at Texas Tech? You know, maybe it's against college offenses. You're not going to get that maybe. But I do think there's a big upside for Tyree. Like, I think he's got a chance. If I knew right now that he loved the game the way, say, Matt Judon loves the game, I wouldn't hesitate in taking Tyree Wilson in the top five. Yeah, I look at this draft and the just, uh, you know, the receiver class looks good, but not unbelievable. The quarterback class looks good, potentially overrated in, in some aspects as well. Uh, I know you're big on uh, Hendon Hooker. Andy loves Hooker. I was a big fan of the Tennessee offense last year. I think they may contribute two receivers in the second round who could pop off. But there's not a lot of, as you were saying, hymns, if you will, in, in this draft. Um, and, and I'm just curious to see maybe just uh, a week out if we could get your spin on who you think could be potentially the biggest riser draft night and who could be the biggest slider in the first round. Mm. Uh, I guess the, 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 you know, I don't know what teams like right now, the boards are pretty much set except for medical and security issues coming in. Okay. Like most of the conversations have been had, although you said Will Williams is coming. Um, so I'm, I'm still thinking, like, you know, there's still another week. The hay's never in the barn here. But, you know, is, is Jalen Carter – how far is Jalen Carter going to drop? If he drops. Like, I don't know what it's like. I Like, my comp is, last week, Jeffrey Simmons in Tennessee got a $100 million contract. And he has been literally the leader of an elite defensive front over the last four years. And he is a handful. And he's a great guy. And he does everything that you want from a franchise standpoint. Like, he just plays hard. He plays hurt. Like, he makes a difference. You got a $100 million contract. Like, to me, Jalen Carter is a bigger, faster Jeffrey Simmons. So, now, you know, he's got to go play as hard as Jeffrey Simmons plays. I, I question whether he, he does that. Now, some of it is just the system at Georgia and what they do. And it's just Kirby smarter than all of us put together there, Georgia. But it's a weird system to evaluate these guys in. Because they're not just a three technique, you know, they're contain rushing and they're dropping and they're twisting and they're doing all this stuff. And you're like, just give me a pass rush. And then you see it, you go, Oh, like, you know, it looks like Alan page rushing a passer, you know, like, so um, like, that's the guy I'm, I'm anxious to see, you know? And then you go, like I saw Maurice Jones, I'm not referencing Maurice throughout this whole thing, but he had Anthony Richardson going number one to Carolina. Like, I think it's off the wow. bar. But, like, how high does he go for a guy who is inexperienced 
And the only way to get experience is to play. And I don't think he's going to step on the field like Cam Newton stepped on the field and throw for 400 yards the first day he plays in the NFL. Like Cam did that the first two starts, threw for over 400 yards. And you're like, holy mackerel, what do we have here? You know, and so, like, I don't think he can do that. So those two guys. And then I think my favorite player in this whole draft is Devin Witherspoon. Like, I haven't seen a guy hit like Devin Witherspoon at that position. He reminds me of Stephon Diggs or Stephon Gilmore, the way that he can cover and his route reading ability. Like, he's an advanced student. But then if you add the physical component to it, I just haven't seen a guy come out that plays like that. Revis did. Um, Revis was was probably a better prospect, even though he was probably the 14th pick or something like that in the draft. Um, but he, last guy I saw come out of the draft that looked like that at corner was Revis. So this actually came to me. I do my best thinking in the shower. So I was, you know, scrubbing my head. And we fixate in draft analysis on busts and when teams make the wrong pick. And, yep. you know, we tell, oh, it sets you back and blah, blah. I don't think we fixate enough on when teams pass on a guy and don't make a pick because I actually think that can be more damning. Like you mentioned a Josh Allen. You're looking at up at him in the division or, you know, Patrick Mahomes. These guys didn't go one, two, three. There's a lot of teams that go, damn it. I should have taken that guy. I could have taken that guy. So if you were a GM, you know, this whole balance between an Anthony Richardson who might be you know, a transformational talent, his, what is his relative athletic score is the new standard, right? He's perfect. He's a 10. Would you be more proven safe pick or do you think you need to swing for the Josh Allen and the Patrick Mahomes and those guys? Well, I mean, everybody's different. So, you know, in in Patrick Mahomes here, I, I just was in the middle of doing all these big 12 games back then. And so I saw him a bunch of Texas tech and I heard all the reports you know, uh, mechanically unsound. You can't play like this in the NFL. Like, I heard all this stuff from guys that we all respect in this business. But I heard all that. You know, and then, you know, the Kansas City was picking 24th that year. And they made a pick in front of New Orleans to trade up to number 10. Because they knew that Sean Payton was taking him at 11. You know, and then you hear, you know, John Gruden was doing Monday Night Football. He was the favorite player in the draft. So there were some people that thought Mahomes was going to be special. Um, Kansas City... Like they said, we're rolling the dice. But he played a lot at Texas Tech. Like you could go watch him, you know, play for Cliff, you know, his for, for three years. You can watch him play hurt. You can, you know, against TCU with a bad ankle. And, you know, you can watch him put up 50 against Oklahoma, but they needed 60 to beat Oklahoma that day, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could see all this stuff. And then you could say, okay, Josh Allen, he played a lot at Wyoming. He, he might not have put up great numbers, but he was at Wyoming. You know, and he played a lot. Like, that's the the knock here. Like, I can say the Eagles passed, like, to your question. Like, the Eagles passed on Justin Jefferson three years ago. All right, sitting right there for him. Like, I know people that literally felt like they they need to jump out a window, like from a tall building when that happened, you know. And But they missed, and, and the Vikings were the benefactor. So, and then, you know, that like your point, like, the problem never goes away. Like the Eagles had to go trade for AJ Brown and give him a hundred million dollar contract to fix the problem. So if it comes back to Anthony Richardson, I feel like you can make that mistake at receiver and you can recover. I feel like if you make the mistake at quarterback, you're right back picking in the top five or 10, two years from now. 
And so that's that's the risk reward right there. If you miss and like, I think there's a better chance of you missing than hitting with Anthony just because of the lack of experience in what he's done. And it's the quarterback position is just so different than every other position. Well, like my old man used to say, God rest his soul, you hit 0% of the home runs where you don't swing for the fences, Nico. So sometimes that's just the way it's got to be. Uh, and it is, it's, it's boomer bust. And I agree with you, Andy, not about the thinking in the shower, but rather like, that's what you may have to do these days. Enough of the 12 and 14 play drives. Like some of these generational talents and these athletic super freaks. I mean, go put that highlight of, you know, Anthony running 80 yards against LSU for a touchdown. Oh my like, gosh. Like that can happen. And also, but also put the highlight of him trying to throw an eight yard out. And it looks like my grandmother threw it backwards. Like it's just, so it, there's a lot of work to do. Maybe a Frank Reich could work with him and then have to start Andy Dalton for a year or two. Oh boy. Bank, yeah. Bank of America ballpark is not going to be too crowded if that's the case. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to be too patient while that happens. I know we got you for just a couple more minutes uh, since every road leads back to usually food or beer analogies with us here on the six rings podcast, Brian. Um, I got a six pack of questions from our listeners on Facebook and Twitter. If we can fire them off at you. Sure. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, at Polybius Mericus. Is it possible? We see the Patriots double down on both tackle and tight end, given how bad both positions were last year and the depth this year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's good. Two good positions where they could, you know, you, you could go tackle at 14 and, uh, you know, with their second round pick, uh, you know, go tight end like Sam Laporta. I mean, you know, pick a guy, uh, mm -hmm. somebody drops. Um, it's possible. Luke Musgrave, who knows, but it's possible that they could um, double down in this draft at those two positions for sure. Excellent. Um, from Facebook, our pal Randy Booth up at Twin Barns Brewing in New Hampshire. Brian Branch seems like a perfect fit for the Patriots, but there seems to be zero evidence of that right now. Uh, do you think that could be a smokescreen, and would he be a fit? Well, he's a, he, he is an unusual guy. Like, he is that down-in-the-box safety slot corner. Like, that part of the field, he has a tremendous feel for. Now, you know, and he started over 40 straight games for Alabama, so – like he's been out there in that position. He doesn't, you don't rarely ever see him in the deep half of the field. The closer you put him to the line of scrimmage, like a lot of defenses now. But I feel like Kyle Duggar, you know, some of the guys you have can kind of already fill that role. But he is a talented player because you could do a lot with him. And these defenses in the NFL are changing. And he's he's that close, like Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He, he's like Malcolm Jenkins. He's that guy that can play down in the box, cover tight ends, cover backs, cover slot receivers, yet still be a part of the run game. And then the feel of just chasing plays from the backside, blitzing, like he's – he you, you can't really put a position on him. It's kind of positionless, but he's talented like that. Yeah, Pats have Peppers, Duggar, and Adrian Phillips. Jalen Mills could switch over now after Devin McCourty retires. Uh wouldn't be surprised as well, but then again, it may be a reach for him at 14. Uh, uh, from Twitter, at jnoodles1992, would you stick at 14 and pick one of the top tackles, or do you think there's more value for the Patriots to trade down for another position and have multiple Ooh. day two picks? Yeah, Ooh. I know. We, we all hate that, I know. Yeah, no, look. If I... <laughs> if, if, if right... If, Dar if Darnell's there at 14 and you want to tackle, like, I wouldn't go any... I wouldn't reach. I wouldn't trade down. I'd take it. But if the tackles are dropping, 
Paris Johnson's not off the board. Skaronsky's not off the board, which I, I can't imagine happening. But if it was, and you could trade down a few spots, um, I don't know who the partner would be. Maybe Tampa wants to go up and get somebody to fix their offense line because it needs fixing. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd listen. I'd, I'd take the phone call. But I don't know. Like, if, I, if, if you wanted – if you said, let's get a tackle, let's plug him and play him, let's upgrade everything up front of our quarterback. Like, I wouldn't pass on right. Uh, at Bruce Lampshade from the Twitter machine says, uh, eh, they're great. I love the names. Any receivers beyond round one that you like and could see on the Patriots? Well, I mean, I, I, like I said, like, this is the year of, like, the slot receiver. So, if you watch Josh Downs play at North Carolina, is, is he any different than Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison? Because he's an elite route runner already, catches everything, highly productive, with whoever the quarterback was, Sam Howell, May, doesn't matter. Like, to me, Josh Downs is as good as any slot receiver in this whole draft. Yeah, solid call. Solid call right there. Uh, from Facebook, David Tressel, what is your honest take on what people are calling the looming quarterback competition between Mac and Zappi? <laughs> uh, competition. Well, I, you know, is it a copy? If it's competition, like, are you going to split reps and – OTAs and the off season. Um, like, I, I think that's probably a bad sign if they're going to compete for the starting job, because what, like, are you really going to start the winner? Is the winner really that much better? And like, I just feel like you better know who's your quarterback. Cause it's a new offense. Billy's calling the plays. Give that time as that guy as much time this off season to just listen to bill in your ear and to, understand his philosophy and how he's going to, you know, make this offense sing next year. Like, I hope they have that decision made. And you're old and, school. So, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, it means you have none. Generally. <laughs> and because uh, everyone always likes to take eating advice from linemen and the big boys and the NFL draft has turned into an absolute spectacle. We'll be having a six hour party. We'll be on the radio. We'll be joining you later on as well. Brian, Tim Courtois from Facebook. Brian Baldinger, what is the goat of draft night party food? Well, ribs, barbecue ribs. <laughs> you know, the, the good thing about eating barbecue ribs draft night is if you don't have anything in your refrigerator, like I'm probably chilling air right now, like you can still <laughs> lick your fingers on Friday and still get a taste of the barbecue. Like that, that's because it's just my go-to food. And you can literally make all the announcements and make all of the analysis and still eat ribs. Like, you know, you just let them let the meat fall off the bone. I mean, you had me at Darnell Wright, but when you went ribs over wings, I've become a P1 and a lifetime super fan and subscriber. Brian, we can't thank you enough today. Yeah. Give him a follow at Ball the NFL. You can see his work wherever you put on a football network. And don't forget, he and Jason Lock on Four will be hosting the Odyssey NFL Draft Show Thursday, April 27th at 7. You can listen on the Odyssey app on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. We'll join once the Patriots make a pick. It's going to be awesome. And, of course, subscribe to In the Huddle wherever you get your football podcast. Baldy, thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. We'll look forward to talking to you down the line. Thus wraps up another edition of Six Rings and Football Things from WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. For Baldy, producer Justin Turpin, Jumbo Hart, this is your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens saying, have a great day, God bless, and as always, go Pats.
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.